Good morning, everyone, again. Well, we are continuing our series. Thank you so much. Who do you think you are? And uh, I have really enjoyed this, this last few weeks. Um, this, this last week, Judah um, came into our bedroom. He was doing his chores, which is taking out the trash that day. And he came in, and I had thrown away... How many of you guys have basketball shorts you have kept since high school, basically, and they just keep living... And no, okay, it's me. So I had a pair of basketball shorts that it was time for them to go. So I'd thrown them in the garbage can. And uh, I've got a little bit of hum here, Rhonda. Uh, so I'd thrown them in the garbage can. And, uh, and he was emptying the trash. He goes, Daddy, you threw away your clothes. And I said, yeah, you know, they just weren't to the point of being able to even donate. They were that bad. And, and he goes, you're throwing away your clothes. I said, yeah, I threw them away. They, they, I threw them away. And he goes, did you outgrow them, Daddy? <laughs> and... Uh, that, that was one of those self-image adjustment moments for me. I was like, ooh. Uh, so uh, we're continuing this series, Who Do You Think You Are? And in the, our first week, we talked about that we are kingdom citizens. Um, and the second week, we talked about that we are saved by grace. And today, we're going to be talking about how we are image bearers. Image bearers. So we're going to go to our source verse here in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles, open them with me. We'll be starting in verse 9. Same verse we've been starting our last uh, messages with over the last two weeks. It says this, Peter writes, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Amen. So we're in this series, and the Bible is an incredible book. I mean, it is 66 Actually, it's 66 books that comprise it. And it, it was written over a period of 1,500 years that this, that this book was written by 40 different inspired authors writing scripture down for us. And, and th- though it was written over a period of 1,500 years, there is a single thread that moves throughout the Bible that brings a united narrative throughout the whole thing that ultimately leads us to Jesus. The whole thing leads ultimately to Jesus. And I, I hope that in the time that I've been your lead pastor, in the time that I've been teaching you, uh, that I've raised your love for God's word, for understanding scripture and what it means to us as we read and as we dig in the depth and the meaning of what that narrative means about Jesus being the thread that pulls it all together. And so in this section of scripture we just read, Peter calls the believers of the church a chosen people. He says, you are royal priests. This is an interesting phrase. I looked, at, I looked and looked, and nowhere else in the Bible does the phrase royal priest happen. Royal priest. Royal, meaning kingly, priest being so, more of the religious sect. And this is something that we don't see anywhere else in Scripture. This is the only place we see it. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 2, there's similar language um, where, where God tells the Israelites, He says, You are my holy people, you are my chosen possession. And then in the New Testament, in Revelation 1-6, God says that He has made us to be a kingdom of priests um, to His God and Father. And so we are, we are called these different things, but in, at, at the same point, this combination of words is never repeated at another point in Scripture. So this question of what does it mean ultimately leads us back to the very beginning of the story, to Genesis. 
this, as, as I was unpacking this and I was trying to understand what Peter's driving at here, it leads us back to the very beginning. So if you will open your Bibles back to the beginning, page 1 here, to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It tells the story of God creating Adam and Eve, and it says this, So God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So this was, I'm going to be honest with you, this was a humbling week of study for me. Because I don't know if I would put myself as dogmatic, but I thought I had a pretty firm understanding of what the image of God meant. The imago Dei. I even knew it in the Latin. That's how smart I was. Um, What it means to be made in God's image. And what I ask of you today as we study is that if maybe you had a similar point of view approaching this as I did, that you, that you come with an, object, an objectivity to understanding and hearing what we're about to unpack here. I think there's something important that we, that we start to uh, grapple with here about what being made in the image of God really means. So we know that being made in the image of God is not a physical thing. The Bible says that God is spirit, right? We don't physically resemble God. So the thing that I have arrived at throughout my understanding of things is, if God is spirit, then the image of God that we possess is our spirit. That's, that's where I have, uh, have kind of landed for a long time. And in our spirit, he breathed the breath of life into us. And in our spirit, that is the reflection of God, the image of God that we carry. However... As I studied, I found that every single resource that I referenced, every scholarly article, every expository commentary that I read came to the same conclusion, and it was not what I've always approached it as. And, and, and it's important. As we read Scripture, we understand that we're the third audience, right? God spoke to the inspired writer of the text. That's the first author, is the one hearing from God. The second uh, audience that's hearing this is the person he's directly writing it to. And so we're eventually down the road at least third audience, if not further down. And so we need to put ourselves in a contextual understanding of what's going on here. So the author of Genesis, as many people believe, could be Moses, who wrote this, who who compiled this, is writing to a group of people, to a, a, a group of Israelites, that he is trying to express to them an understanding of God's relationship to humanity. God's relationship to man. And and so as he's writing this. The world has already begun, right? We don't have humanity existing and writing down what God's doing. So he's writing this in a context that they will grasp and understanding. And so the world that they're living in, there are kings that live around in the area. There are kings that live in the ancient Near East. And the thing about kings is they could not be everywhere at once. Travel was slow. And so that what kings would do is they would erect monuments or effigies of themselves throughout their kingdoms, representing their power and their authority throughout the kingdom. And these were called the images of, they would call themselves God. The images of God. And this was representative of the king's rule extended wherever his image was found. The king's power and influence extended wherever it was found. And so humanity, when, when the author of Genesis is writing this, he's writing about how humanity has been placed in God's kingdom as his visual representatives here on earth. 
Stick with me, because it actually continues on through that thread through Scripture. We see it in the New Testament and on into Revelation for the future. And so this is so important we understand what's going on here, because Genesis is so intentionally written and threaded to what would happen with Jesus. But I'm jumping the gun here. We're getting a little bit ahead of things here. So, so, um, so God created Adam and Eve with this royal priesthood, as Peter calls it, and, um, and, and he created them with this purpose. And so... We, 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 we see this, I, as I said, I jumped the gun, so now I'm way ahead in my notes here. But, uh, <laughs> but Genesis, this author is drawing a parallel between the image of God and the image of kings in the ancient world. And rulers could not be everywhere at once, as I just said, so it's this representation of his presence. So the characterization of humans being made in the image of God and the functions of that reflect a royal role. As we look back at Genesis 1, take a look at what happens here, because this is connected not to God breathing the breath of life into Adam and Eve, but it's connected to something else. It says, God said, let us make human beings on our image to be like us, and they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And then he goes on, he says, so God created human beings in his own image. And then it says, he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and Govern it. All of these words, all this verbiage that's used here are verbs that are talking about commanding to rule, to multiply, to govern. God created humanity as symbols of his presence and as agents who were to act on his behalf. Bringing order into chaos. Dominion is about bringing order. When God sent Adam and Eve out, it was about ordered, creating order in the chaos, ordered relationships. We are to have ordered business. We are to have ordered homes. Out of chaos, we are to bring order. And we were created with this purpose as signposts, ultimately pointing back to God. Signposts, just as in these kingly orders where they would erect these effigies, these images of deity, it was to point back to God, the creator. And so we were created with this purpose, a signpost to point back. And Genesis isn't just talking about when he says, now go out and be fruitful and multiply and, and all this. He isn't just talking about making babies and starting farms, but he's talking about imitating the creative work of God within his creation. Filling empty spaces with beauty and using what God has given us to reflect back the glory of God. And humanity was created as a royal image bearer of God's authority and his dominion in our world. Psalm chapter 8 verses 4 through 6 actually summarizes this really aptly. It says this, For what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? You made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them, I don't know if I have verse 6 here. Yes, you gave them charge of everything you made putting all things under their authority. Here the psalmist says the same thing, echoes the same sentiment that we were created with this purpose. So we know that this was what our our purpose was created for, to to bring dominion, to be this reflection of God is what, what my argument would be. But however, we know what happens then when sin enters the world, when the Adam and Eve at the fall, the image that we are to be reflect reflecting was fractured. The image that we are to be reflecting, this image of God was defaced. It was distorted. A shockwave went throughout creation when humanity no longer decided we're going to worship and delight in God, but we're going to choose our own image. We're going to choose our own image. Another kind of image in the ancient world is an idol. 
in ancient Mesopotamia, um, every nation had a pantheon of gods. You think about the Greek pantheon. We've got movies, you know, featuring those. We've got the, the Roman pantheons, these, these courts of gods. And all of these images, they would actually build these uh, images that they would worship. And Israel's first two commandments, though, that they were given were completely out of sync with the ancient world. The first commandment God gave them was, I am the only God you are going to worship. And the second command he gave them was, don't worship any images whatsoever. Don't worship any images whatsoever. And that was for two reasons. First and foremost, Yahweh is distinct from what he's created. God is distinct from the created. Secondly, is that God already made an image of himself, and that was in us. He made humankind a living image. And by carving images to worship Yahweh, Israel would be creating an alternate connection to God. And so I've always thought, I don't know about you, I've always thought that idols are just completely ridiculous. When you think about like people like carving something and being like, oh, you great piece of wood that I just whittled. I've always thought that was ridiculous. I've never understood it. Never understood how people could actually build a thing and then say, that thing is greater than me. I've never wrapped my head around it. Um, but, uh, but what it's doing is it's finding value in our meeting out of a poorer reflection. And we're not doing anything different when we sin. We're finding value and meaning out of a poorer reflection of what we should be worshiping. We're creating God, ultimately, in our own image. We are, rather than being the created image of God, we are creating God in the image we would desire from Him. What we think He should be. What we project God should be. And sin is ultimately then taking ourselves and placing it above the Creator. It's saying, we worship ourselves. We worship our comfort, our happiness, our intellect, rather than the Creator. The created thing becomes greater than the creating one. And this is what happened at the fall. This image was distorted. This image was fractured. And this is the exact same sentiment that Satan had, right, when he fell. Satan looked at God and said, I could be that. In Isaiah chapter 14, it quotes the devil as he says, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. And this is what caused Satan's fall. Sin both separated us then as humanity from the creator and it defaced the image of the king that was placed on us. But this thread then, like I said, continues into the New Testament. You see, we fractured that image of God that we should be reflecting. We fractured that representation of God's presence and dominion on earth that that he created us for. But then in the person of Jesus... Everything was changed. In the person of Jesus, the image has been restored. As a matter of fact, in the book of Colossians chapter 1, it's expressed this way. Paul is explaining. He said, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all of creation. Who then, now is Paul saying, is the image of God? Jesus. Jesus is now the image, the perfect image and representation of God. He is the visible image of the invisible God. It's no longer distorted, no longer broken, but the exact representation of God's authority and dominion on earth. And this true image of God is only realized, though, in the crucified and risen Jesus. This is how we see the perfect representation of who this is. And so Jesus is this exact representation of God, the ruler over all of creation. And that completed humanity, then is conferred upon those who believe Jesus is Christ. 
See, the image that's marred by sin in us is restored in Jesus. Not by our own doing, but through the perfection of Jesus. And so when we receive Christ, we then become a transformed image. When we receive Christ, our image becomes transformed. And that's what's written about in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. It says, For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can, listen to this, see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are what? Changed into his glorious image. Wow. This thread continues. The broken image that was created in us at the beginning, at at creation. Sin fractured and broke apart and we were separated from God. And then Jesus came, the perfect image of God. Never sinned, never failed, never did all the things that we did that would separate us from God. And he restored this image. And it's a new nature then that we can put on as we become more and more like Jesus. No longer in our own image, but in his glorious image. Do you see what verse 18 says there? That we are called then to see and reflect the glory of the Lord. To reflect it. We have, when we've encountered and experienced the image restored, we become the image reflected. We become the image reflected. It's not about us in and of ourselves, our own shininess, our own light that we carry within us. But rather, we are reflecting the light of Christ within our lives. We're reflecting the image of God, a perfect God within our lives. And as image bearers, we are made and created to glorify and magnify the Lord. As being part of the renewed image of God, it means that we're being conformed into the image of Jesus. Like it says in Romans chapter 8, 29. We are are being formed in that Likeness In Colossians 3.10 it says, Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and to become like him. Do you see these words? Creator. Going back to the beginning. Our creator. We're becoming more like him. That image being restored. I've heard it said that we were meant to reflect the glory of our God in our lives like a mirror set at 90 degrees to the sun. To reflect it back. This is John Piper, I believe, that, that was giving this illustration but when sin came, we, when, we, when, when sin came, I should say, when we chose to sin, when we chose our, our own way, it's like that mirror being turned away and the dark, dark side, the non-reflective side of the mirror turning away from it and in it being turned away, there's no longer anything being reflected back, but rather now the mirror is casting a shadow on the ground and it's only casting a shadow in the shape of itself rather than refracting the light. And, and all of us have fallen in love with that shadow. We fall in love with the image of ourselves. But when we come to salvation, when we recognize our own fallenness, that mirror gets turned back around and we're able to reflect back the truth and the beauty and the light of who, we, who God is. In salvation, we become salt and light once again to our world. We are called to be salt and light. So when we reflect God, we're really reflecting His character. When we reflect God, this is the image that we see then, the character attributes of God in our lives. This is where we start to see those things in beauty and creativity and the capacity we can carry for empathy and dignity and worth, for goodness and love and mercy and justice and compassion. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of these attributes of God then, this image is reflected back as we say, Jesus, do that transforming work in me. image has been broken, but as Jesus restores us, as we become more and more like him, we reflect back that identity. And one day, I love what the book of Revelation says in chapter 20, 
that we will be priests of God and we will, will rule and reign with him. It puts those same concepts together in one chapter of the Bible. So from what we just read at the beginning here, from 1 Peter, where Peter's talking about how we um, have, been, have had our, this, this image that's, um, that, that we are called to be priests and royal priests and whatever that means, then we go to the book of Revelation and it brings those two concepts together. We are going to be priests who rule and reign with Jesus. This is the ultimate thing that's going to happen when all things come together, when the culmination of time, we're going to rule and reign with him. What a promise. What a promise. So this morning, we have the opportunity to say, I want that identity and that purpose in my life. Some of us haven't recognized that we've been created with that image of God that he has placed out on us and it's been so fractured that we see ourselves as useless. Some of us have said things about ourselves that you'd say, would God ever say that about his created person. We've said things that are destructive. We've said things that uh, are hurtful. We've said things that that tear ourselves down to not recognize that we have been created in the image of God and fearfully and wonderfully made. But because of that fracture of of that image, because we've we've had sin enter in, we've, we've had a broken understanding of who we are, but that can be restored through Jesus. And maybe you've been searching within your own being for that purpose. Maybe you've been searching within things in the world, things that would try to complete you through accomplishment, through your jobs, through your education, through relationships, trying to find the thing that would complete the broken image that you see in yourself. But can I tell you, the only way that image can be restored is through Jesus. We try to patch this together. We try to fit it together. And maybe you've been worshiping this image that's ultimately of yourself. You've been, you've been, you've been trying to find something that makes you feel value. Can I tell you that that value is found in Jesus? The image can be restored and your purpose restored in him. So this morning, if that's you, can we bow our heads and close our eyes? I want to give this opportunity. If you have been searching for your meaning, maybe you've been searching for your identity in a reflection that's of yourself. Or something that's other than God. And right now that image needs to be who he created you to be and completed in and of the person of Jesus. He is the only one that can make us complete. He's the only one who can give us wholeness and a full understanding of who we've been created to be. So this morning, if you're in this room, And perhaps you've never given your heart to Jesus. And this morning, you want to say, Jesus, I need you to fix what's broken. I know I've chosen my own way. I've been kind of worshiping my own self, making my own choices. And I know that I've sinned and I need you to forgive me. If that's you in this room, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, will you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Raise it high. Thank you. Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down right now, church. I want you to pray along with me. Say, dear Jesus, I've chosen my own way. I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I've sought my own glory. And today I need to give you my heart. I make you my king and my savior. That my purpose would be to reflect back your glory, Jesus. For your glory, Jesus. 
So I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and be my king from this day forward. In your name, amen. Amen. This morning, there's one last thing I want to do, and that's for some of us that maybe you say, Pastor Brent, I want to be a better reflection of Jesus. I want to be a better reflection in my world of Jesus. And can I tell you that for many people that will draw them in, but for some it may detract. For some living in darkness, the the, the light is something that actually, uh, Jesus didn't have a huge amount of fans, to be honest with you. I'm not saying that we should be abhorrent, but we need to stand for truth and stand for what's right. And holy and and what what's righteous and so let me just say if you're in this room and you say I want to be a reflection of whatever Jesus is to love people uh, in truth and to love people in in genuine from a genuine place of love but I want to reflect it better as a follower of Jesus if that's you I want you to stand with me this morning to stand and say I want to be a better reflection of Jesus I want to be a signpost pointing back to the king if that's you stand with me this morning and I want to pray with us as a church you say I want to glorify the Lord even more with my life that I would be a reflection shining back the light of the king that lives within me that I am a represent representative of what he's done in my life Lord I pray for your church right now in this room those that have stood up and said God I need to be a better reflection I want to better reflect who it is that or what it is that you have done in this life, that you have pulled me out of darkness and set me in the light, and I want to be salt and light in my world, that people would hear the, the truth of, in love in my life, and that I would show it to the world around me. And we thank you for it, Jesus, what you are doing in this place and what you're doing in lives right now. And Lord, I pray that your church would be ever effective and ever purposeful in our world. And for this, we thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Ty. Uh, well, now I get to uh, follow up with you on that. So part of our weekly rhythm is our connection cards. And that's our way of affirming what we've committed to this morning. How many of you guys have ever uh, signed up for something and then somebody comes up to you later and says, you should have read the fine print. Here's what you actually agreed to. If there was a job description for my title, that would be it. I get to be that guy. But uh, no, I'm excited because here's the thing. The majority of us responded this morning, right? We said, we want to glorify the Lord better wherever we go. And maybe that breaks you down into one of two camps. Maybe this is your first time here and you were like, hey, I, I, don't, I just met Jesus this morning and I want to reflect him just to begin with. Write that down in your connection card. Say, hey, this is my first time, this is my second time, third time, and I've accepted the Lord today. Make sure to write that down. Secondly, if you're somebody that's been here regularly, you're a regular attender, you're a member, and you're just taking another step, How many of you guys know if we just have an aim, a dream without action plans, it's probably not going to happen, right? If we just say, hey, I want to accomplish some kind of cerebral idea, that's not going to happen. We have to put steps in order for that to take place. So this morning, I want you to write down one simple action step that you're going to take this morning to be more like Jesus. Like that scripture in Corinthians says, I want to be more conformed like Jesus every single day. So this morning, I want you to write down this week, what are you going to do to be more like Jesus? We have a number of ways you can do that. You can scan this fancy square up there called the QR code. You can go to nlcchurch.com slash connect, or you can fill out the physical one in front of you. I'm going to give you about 45 ox seconds, then I'm going to dismiss you. Go. feel like I should rap or dance while we do this.
many of you guys are digging Chris's guitar solos over here? Can we crank that a little bit? Heck yeah, man, let's do it. All right, can I have you guys stand real quick this morning? God, right now, I thank you for this church. I thank you for your people. I thank you for the privilege of representing you all over this world, that we get to represent you bringing order to the chaos, bringing light into the darkness, bringing your presence into this world. God, I pray that we would do that all the better every single day, that every interaction we have with each other or with those that don't know you would point towards you, that we would cause this community, this church, this nation to be transformed and more like you. We thank you. We love you. In your name we pray. Everybody said... Amen. Have a great week, guys. Get the heck out of here.